Welcome to All Things Wolverines, a Wolverine sports podcast for the people, by the people. Enjoy expert analysis, entertaining discussion, and the pessimism of true Michigan fans. Get ready for All Things Wolverines. All right, welcome. It is All Things Wolverines. Brandon, Nate, and cousin Kyle, we've had to kind of lick our wounds a little bit this past week or so and uh, gain and garner the courage uh, post national championship game that we did not play in spoiler alert uh, to discuss what happened in the college football playoff national semifinal, the Fiesta bowl against Texas Christian university horned frogs. Um, Nate, what what was your kind of your one big takeaway from uh, the, this game against the the Horn Frogs? <laughs> yeah, well, hey, it's our first loss of the year. Uh, unfortunately, it was the last game that we'll play for the year too. So, a great year, a great run, unprecedented. Um, team's never gone this many wins in a row, so that's cool. That said, um, it was the worst game I've seen our coaches coach all year. It seemed like all that went right in the Ohio State game, all the timing of the cool plays were at the worst times in this game. Uh, yeah, it felt like similar vibes with the offensive play calling. We talked about this a little later. I'm sure some of you will mention it. Um, but like when we played the Big Ten West foes and it was just like, we're not playing a real offense, so we're not going to put a real offensive strategy out there. We'll just run our offense, standard, stapled, whatever. Um, except this offense is good and we got too far behind. Um, but you know, great run. Sad to see it end this way. I think we'll be processing this for a while because it was very winnable. As badly as we played, we were <laughs> only down six points with 50 seconds left. And with the big the way college works, clock stops after first down. So it was very possible to, to win. But anyway, uh why one big takeaway is now that we've been in the playoff twice, one was just like we were happy to be there, right? We all knew that Georgia was above and beyond. This year, apparently, the same thing for Georgia. I've come down to this post game interview, championship game. Nolan Smith, who's a former five star top 10 recruit, after the game, I think I saw this on Twitter as well, and I just couldn't get over it the post game interview. But someone had convinced that team that they were going to finish five and seven, Georgia, the defending national champions. And they bought it hook, line, and sinker. Those 35 star athletes bought that they were going to go five and seven at the beginning of the year all the way to the end and previously to that i remember alabama bryce young a former top five recruit number one overall quarterback prospect clearly going to be the number one pick in this, this year's nfl draft at his heisman trophy presentation declared to the world this is to prove all of my doubters wrong <laughs> so i say that to say Something magical is being mixed into these players' minds that tells them no one believes in you guys. You who are chosen have come to one of five schools that wins a national championship. No one thinks you're going to do it. They think the TCU horned frogs are going to ram it down your throats. I just don't understand how they can distribute such hate to their players and buy it so clearly. But I think next year, we need to convince our players by some QAnon reasoning uh, to our Michigan athletes that they will finish behind IU in the Big Ten East. And perhaps maybe then they will have driven themselves insane 
and ragey to every game that they will just pummel everyone that they play because they genuinely believe they will go three and whatever, however many losses they've got. So let's declare that Michigan next year, we're going to be bottom dwellers. It was a fun run. Um, Yeah, it's all over for Michigan. So there's no way they will win a game next year. I'm calling it now. That's my hot take. And uh, hopefully that strategy works for us next year. That's my big takeaway. Yeah, they must like uh, when they, you know, make them sit with like the, you know, sun ray light on their face at 4.30 a.m. and get into their ice bath. And then while all that's happening and they're getting all their, you know, serotonin right and all those such things and such forths, um, they must just have blasting wherever they're at or like a little earbud and Saban is it Saban and Kirby Smart are talking to these players. You suck. You will not win one game. You will not execute one play. And then they, you know, walk in to, to get some food in the morning and over the speakers in the cafeterias, you guys are a bunch of losers. You will lose everything. You will lose to, you know, UT Chattanooga week two, and then uh, Tennessee Martin in week 10 before you get ready for the iron bowl or whatever. So uh, yeah, it's, it's quite fascinating. So I'm on that train too. Yes. Michigan's terrible. We will not win another game, but the, the sad reality is there was a season not too long ago where we only won three games. So maybe we'll actually believe it and be terrible. So uh, my big, you know, one big takeaway is a bad red zone play calling doesn't always win games, but it almost always will lose you games. And we experienced that. Uh, play calling and game plan got away from us early. Um, I appreciated how we got back into the game and some of the adjustments, um, but as good as our offensive second half adjustments were, we, uh, we were in such a big hole and we couldn't make the adjustments defensively. We gambled with the blitz so much. We got torched. So every time it was like, okay, it's a two score game. And then it's immediately was like a three score game every every time. And so I think the big takeaway was, you know, your red zone play calling early uh, in the game. Uh, It won't always win you the game, but it will definitely lose you some games. And it forced us into a game where we had to play TCU style. Um, And I'll talk more about that later. So hats off to the Horned Frogs for barely winning that game, um, but also for making us play their game. You know, that was smart of them. That's what they've done to teams all year. Make them play their way um, and get into a shootout. So uh, my big takeaway is red zone playing doesn't always win games, but it will almost always, if it's bad, lose you a game. Cousin Kyle, big takeaway. Yeah, I mean, like Nate said, I think this this hurts. Uh, I'm a sad panda today, but like, you know, we did go 13 and 0 before then right? Like this was a, this was a great season, an amazing season, an amazing two-year run. And yeah, let's, let's tell these kids though, that many people are saying that, you know, Michigan is not going to be very good next year and let it be, let it be known, you know, guys like Paul Feinbaum are telling uh, coach Harbaugh that he can't win bowl games, right? Feinbaum. So, yeah. He, he can't win bowl games and he clearly needs to stay at Michigan to prove the haters wrong. Uh, but yeah, with, with that being said, um, I mean, this is just a game where Michigan made every mistake that it had avoided all season long, 
right? Two pick sixes. Uh, just an absolutely atrocious overturned touchdown call by the refs, uh, which, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about later as far as just like, what is the purpose of review? But um, a fumble on the one yard line uh, when, you know, you're handing it off to a converted linebacker, the dumbest fourth and goal play perhaps in history uh, cover zero, Don Brown-esque defense on a third and seven, giving up a 76-yard screen pass that TCU just walks in as Michigan's desperately trying to come back. You know, TCU got smoked by Georgia, just absolutely demolished. And, you know, there's really no reason why Michigan shouldn't have done the same thing, maybe not to the extent that Georgia did, right? Like, th this should have been, I think, maybe a 42, 48 to, to 21 type game uh, for Michigan. But they fell behind really early. And as, as Brandon said, they, they had to play this catch up. They had to play this, this TCU style of game. Uh, and, you know, that uh, it didn't work out for us. And so, as Nate said last year, it was just like, yeah, we were just happy to be in the playoff. But I think this year it, it really hurts that, that we didn't get an opportunity to uh, play in that championship game, get that rematch with Georgia. I don't think Michigan would have necessarily won it after watching Georgia in the national championship game. Uh, but I mean, you know, a pretty soft Ohio State team almost beat them. And I think that I would have liked to have just seen Michigan get an opportunity to to play them. So this one hurts a lot. Yeah, I think on your worst fourth in goal call of all time, it's it rivals um when the Seahawks decided to throw it instead of run with Marshawn, Marshawn Lynch, it's uh, in big games. It's, it's, it's close to that. It's a, you know, it's close to that. Um, Nate, what's your pessimistic Michigan moment? Um, obviously there was plenty of opportunity for us <laughs> to sit into that, but what was, what was kind of sticking out to you in that? <laughs> well, as cousin Kyle listed out, yeah, there's, which take your pick. Uh, put your hand in a bag, pull out one, and talk about it. Um, so I chose one to talk about. Uh, for me, yes, the worst overturn I think I've ever seen. As a just a football fan, just I've seen terrible ones, but this was this was pretty pretty horrendous. Um, you have to convince yourself mentally that the physics of it, he was short because there was no proof through the video. So a very fun thing to overturn. Nonetheless, here's the deal. If you are a coach of that team, the reality is what was called was called. And if your players are shaken, they're frustrated, it didn't work, you don't have a good play call in. I felt like that was the same thing after the, the, the fourth and two that you guys were talking about. They looked confused. This fourth and goal, or the first and goal, after that play, after Roman Wilson clearly scored, um, to have your backup running back, who's in the second game of relevant carries, Going under center, which they seldom do, um, it made me really miss the hammering panda days with Khalid Hill, Ben Mason, Sione Huma, Joe Carriage. We didn't have that the past two years, really, which is interesting. Um, but you have to, if you have that offensive line, which P.S., guys, they were healthy. The entire offensive line was healthy for this game. Um, and they didn't play like it, which I think was really my pessimistic thing is what I'm saying here. But all in all, the first and goal from under center, I don't know why you don't just, I don't know, go from shotgun, give it an RPO, 
Mullings could take it from there, but the under center stuff, it just puts you in a weird spot that you don't typically go for. They clearly weren't ready to run that play because they were still like emotional about the terrible overturn. But that wasn't a big issue was the the coaching felt reactionary instead of like, we're taking control of this. It's fine. Because it really was. You have the Joe Moore award winning back-to-back offensive line group. And you are doing something that's unprecedented, giving it to a guy that's known for running the ball, not in the game. Donovan Edwards was going to, he'd be fine. He'd be fine. I just don't understand it. There's no philosophy. It felt confused. And it was because they fumbled it. And that was, in my personal opinion, when I was like, this is actually really, really bad. That was my big pessimistic viewpoint where I was the the first time I thought we're going to lose this game was after that play. So that's my pessimistic uh, play of the game. I mean, as you said, it was all (laughs) there's a lot of moments to pick out a lot of a lot of uh, pacing as I was watching the game and uh, hands or head in hands, but it was all nervy. But my belief exited my body at the second pick six. Uh, Third quarter, it was 28-16. It was like, hey, it feels like we have a little momentum here. Like we can, we had a really weird first half. We had some bad play calls. We had some unlucky stuff going on. Uh, And then, uh, and then it was very quickly when you, so happens when you throw an interception and they take it for a touchdown, they, they score points. Um, So then it was 34 to 16 and I'm like, yeah, we're dead. We're done. Uh, I knew we'd fight back a little bit, but it was like the belief literally exited my body in the third quarter at that second pick six. And that was my moment of uh, ultimate pessimism. And I hadn't felt that pessimism, you know, since the disbelief of how badly Georgia mopped us last year. But even then I would say this was greater because, you know, we were, it was an upset. So that was it for me. Cousin Kyle, what say you? I'm really proud of you guys for uh, keeping your pessimism that, that, you know, sort of holding it off that late in the game because mine was the very first drive, uh, which was, you know, Donovan Edwards gets this wonderful run, uh, you know, 50 yards, something like that. And we have fourth and goal from the two-yard line, okay? As Nate said, you have the Joe Moore award-winning back-to-back years, offensive line. You have the most, or one of the most dynamic runners in the country in Donovan Edwards. You have a very mobile quarterback, and J.J. McCarthy. Naturally, then, the decision was to run the Philly special with Colston Loveland, a freshman tight end, trying to throw the ball to, to J.J. McCarthy, who is covered. And Loveland takes an eight-yard loss because he doesn't just throw it away because he's a tight end, not a quarterback, right? The whole point of going for it on fourth and two uh, or fourth and goal there is that if you don't get it somehow, TCU is starting the, the their drive on the two-yard line, right? There are not enough expletives in the world to convey my disdain for this play call. Uh, and, you know, using these players in this, in, this, in this way, I think is offensive, right? Literally any other play call I think would have been better. I would have been happy, happier at least, if they had just done a fade route to Loveland, right? Just let him jump, jump ball. Right. Even though I think that's not a great play and that 
spot, it's a heck of a lot better than than what they did. Do a read option. Do an RPO. You know, use misdirection. You have Roman Wilson, who's one of the fastest, if not the fastest guy on that entire field. Okay, anything but what they did. And I just thought, as soon as as Loveland was tackled, I was just like, well, this is how this is going to go. And then it did. It, it went, you know, it it, it never, it, at least me, it never got better uh, from there. So that was my pessimism almost from the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. You know, you put put your, you know, best players in positions where they do the things that they do over and over again, right? And uh, in that and I, moment, in a national championship game, I, I love Colson Lovell. He's amazing. But let oh, him do oh, what sure. he does amazingly, which is jump catch. jump up and catch balls. Yeah. <laughs> and I like I, I read actually yesterday uh, that Zach Taylor, the head coach for the Cincinnati Bengals, who was talking about their red zone offense. And like he he basically said, you know, when you do these trick plays down there, when they work, you look amazing. When you when they don't work, you just look really, really dumb. And in the NFL, especially, you know, for the Bengals, because I'm a Bengals fan, like their offensive line isn't good enough to just run like pound the ball in that scenario but michigan in college football is like that is literally what they are built to do and just getting cute there is just you're just overthinking it right like you know that this is i I know a number of different people have joked about teams having like a 13 year old kid who plays madden just be like no don't do that (laughs) you know like they they need the 13 year old on the on the on the on the line and not to mention, momentum is, I don't care what anybody says, momentum in college sports is real. It is just so, the belief, the fans, how yeah. all of that works. And there's a certain amount of momentum you get when you stop Michigan, you know, to kick and hold them to kick a field goal, right, in the right. national yeah. championship game. That, like, exponentially increases when you stop them on fourth and goal from the two. And now you have the ball Um, and the belief and all that. Oh, the thing that they pride themselves on, at least they, you know, the the Michigan O-line wouldn't have felt defeated if they, you know, kicked it. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, although I do still like to call to go for it, just the play call is trash. Um, But momentum just, it, it it was like, oh, we Donovan Edwards just ran down the field. Like, this is a, a great start to the game. And then it was like, okay, this has all just changed significantly. Uh, Nate, uh, get us into that next level on the overanalyze. What were you seeing in this game? Obviously, there's a lot happening in this game. Uh, I haven't been able to have the stomach yet to go back and, and, you know, watch more than just a couple of highlights here and there, but um, what's your over analysis uh, on this game? Yeah. So for the postmortem, there was, there was a lot of bad, uh, but there's a lot of good too. I'm not going to really tap into the X's and O's today. What I'm really going to remind people about is the recruiting rankings. Michigan is not at a level that we are good enough to do what Georgia does. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this conversation, but I heard someone talk about the recruiting ranking differences that number one to number six, which Michigan's perennially between six and 10 recruiting ranking. Um, but the number between one and six, which Georgia is either one or two the past like three or four years, 
um, is the same difference between number seven to number 24. And so TCU is right around that 24, 25 mark. And so really what you're talking about is there's not a whole lot of difference athletically that we have compared to a TCU. Though we are Michigan, we can't screw around. And so because we screwed around, we got caught. Um, a Georgia team, and you can all the time, I mean, Michigan fans, we know. When you get a five-star running back, your, your pessimism shows, right? Because how many five-star running backs have we had that haven't panned out, but how many three-stars have? At the same time, how many five-stars, Rashawn Gary, Jabril Peppers, um, you know, guys like this, Charles Woodson, are just tremendous from the get-go. There's a different level. There's a reason they're a five-star ranked because the potential is there. And Georgia has so many of those players that it's just different. So I guess what it comes down to for me, I can overanalyze the game planning. I'm not going to. Here's the truth. I've never coached in a national championship or a playoff, neither of you. I've not won back-to-back Big Ten championships, neither of you. I've not finished in the top three at the end of the year, neither of you. Not since Herbert Chrysler in the 40s has that happened in Michigan. Uh, So let's, as ironic as this is, coming off of the heels of our pessimistic takes, let's try for some optimism because looking at the basketball men's team, it doesn't appear to me, and I'm leaning on Cousin Kyle to bring me back to optimism on this, as he is our resident optimist for basketball, for men's. Women's, plenty to be optimistic about. Enjoy that. They're a great team. I'll talk about that another time. But a reminder to congratulate the players that are leaving. We just got wind that Jermon Green is declared for the the draft. So now we've lost uh, DJ Turner and Jermon Green. So that's going to be a hole next year they're going to have to navigate. I trust the coaching staff and the development there that they'll figure something out. Um, But if someone enters the portal, thank them for their time. Andrew Anthony is going to Oklahoma. Wish him all the best. Um, Here's the truth. These, These men are sacrificing their bodies potentially for the rest of their lives. The hits that they take. I think we were all reminded after seeing the Demar Hamlin thing. They're sacrificing their, their the good of their their physical bodies for the remainder of their days because of how fast, athletic, and big these human beings are. If you've been up close to a linebacker, an offensive lineman who's in the NFL, you see a different side of a human being, and um, just physically, <laughs> the fact that they're charging at one another, trying to break each other so that they can succeed on the field is just a good reminder to all of us. Let's not go to doomsday so quickly. It was not so long ago, Brandon, as you mentioned, about the three-win season with Rich Rod years, okay? It's not that bad. We've got great talent. We've got good coaching. We've got a president who I think believes in the future of the program, which is something we haven't had, even with the Lloyd Carr days. And we've got someone who did something for the first time since Herbert Chrysler in the 40s. So let's just take a breath. Yes, their loss was hard. But my goodness, the fact that we're talking about back-to-back playoff appearances Let's not overanalyze it to death. Let's just acknowledge it. Let's breathe fresh air and say, hey, we're going into next year. And yes, I told you we're only going to win three wins next year. I still believe that in my soul. But in my mind, I believe this team is talented. I'm grateful for the past years that we've had. And uh, yeah, just appreciate um, and respect what's happened so far and maybe move into greener pastures so that you can sleep at night, uh, give your children tighter hugs and be present with your family. Well, I love the 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 IV drip of optimism that Nate just gave us because I'm I am going to move into a different direction. Um, uh, TCU, uh, they TCU won this game, and it was their seventh one score game of the year. This is what they do. 
So even, you know, they, they lost to, you know, Kansas state, but that was a, I mean, overtime, crazy game, all that, but it was their seventh one score game of the year. TCU played their game. They played their game. They gouged us on runs, which going into the game, to the game, uh, TCU uh, yards per rush was, you know, in the top 20 in the country with 5.1 on the year. They got us for 6.4 yards a carry against the Michigan Wolverines. They bullied our defense. And they gout, this is their game plan all year. They gouge on runs and play an open end-to-end game, and their QB usually makes it happen at the end of the day for them. Um, on the year, uh, they, they would go for per game. They'd pass for 442 yards per game, or, or sorry, they would, uh, their offense had 442 yards per game, and they'd only give up 415, but they also gave up 415 yards per game, which is pretty, pretty much a lot. Michigan had 528 yards in this game and lost. Typically, when we hit 500 yards a game, it's because we're beating Ohio State in back-to-back years, um, and. Uh, so it was weird to put up a five hundo and lose. Their corners early in the game bullied our wide receivers. Now sometimes they were they were flagged for penalties, but there was also two pick sixes. Uh, they were physical. Um, why we were throwing at their you know all world corner made zero sense to me. But then when we weren't, the other corners were making making plays. Right, um, their game plan was to get this into a basketball game, end-to-end, high-scoring. That's what they do. And guess what? They always come out on top. They give up a lot of yards, but they gain a lot of yards. And when it comes down to it, they put it in Duggan's hand, and he finds a way. Seven one-score games this year. Um, And so uh, between their game plan and Michigan's miscues, it pushed the narrative to a TCU style of game. and. and man, and they did it, you know, they held on, they executed and they put up 51 points on Michigan. Uh, I can't even believe I saying those words about any team putting that many points up on us. So uh, anyways, uh, I, I think that was the difference is um, due to how TCU played and executed, but also Michigan's mistakes. It just played right into their style and uh, made it really hard to to get out of. And so, um, yeah, I was surprised that our our defense was bullied. I was surprised at how much our wide receivers were bullied in that game and how uh, it was, you know, other than that big run early, there were times we really struggled uh, to to move the ball. I think, you know, heading into the third quarter, we were like one of eight or one of nine on third down, just bad. So that they did early work on those first and second down on defense against us, which was really shocking to me. Cousin Kyle, uh, what's your overanalyze? What were you seeing in this game? Well, I really had no desire to watch a second of the national championship game on Monday night, Uh, but my son wanted to, and so we turned it on. And in the first quarter, when Georgia went up like 24 to 7, uh, I noticed uh, just throughout the course of that game, you know, Stetson Bennett <clears throat> had a number of just wide open runs, right? And Stetson Bennett is not a terrible athlete, but he's certainly, I think, uh, not as fast as J.J. McCarthy. 
And I just watched that and was just so annoyed all over again because I really feel like uh, JJ just was underutilized as a runner, especially in the first half. I mean, in the third quarter, I think it was, he had, or maybe it was the end of the third quarter, fourth quarter, he had that nice long run uh, for a touchdown where they, you know, it was a designed run play. They had uh, Donovan Edwards as a lead blocker for him, and he just kind of walked into the end zone. And I was just like, where was that? uh in in the second quarter and uh i think you know to brandon's point like their defense was just selling out to stop michigan just just absolutely selling out just like ohio state did uh which makes sense because they're both big 12 defenses but i think that you know whereas in the ohio state game they were able to, to hit some really big pass plays and eventually then ohio state backed off a little bit and then michigan then was able to run their ground game uh, and this game just never happened. And I think, you know, again, some some, some JJ runs uh, might have helped in, in that scenario. I don't know what is, as Nate said, right? None of us are coaches. None of us have been in this situation. I don't know how much uh, throughout the year they actually have him on live reads uh, making decisions. But it just seems like that was a big failure of the offensive game plan. And, yeah, I think like Nate said, earlier I, I wonder how much of it was the attitude of this is a big 10 west team you know mentality of like we don't have to maybe maybe they were trying to save some things for georgia uh which if that's the case you know didn't work out uh so anyway it, it, that's that was my uh, analysis i guess yeah has anybody gone back and watched it Nate did. Yeah, Nate I did. did. I yeah, won't. I'll, I'll never do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's our, you know, final, it was our final game of the season. Like you said, 13 and one is pretty darn good. Nate, it's our ATW Awards Unsung Hero of the Week. A little tough to think of through a hero when we come out, you know, with a loss, but uh, who's your final unsung hero of the week in this uh, 2022 football season that, you know, bled into the 2023? Oh, man. How do, yeah. So, yeah, first of all, um, public service announcement. If you do a rewatch, you are a Michigan fan. It is just to compare it like eating a broccoli stem first. So just so you know, uh, it doesn't go down smooth. It's not great. Uh, advise, I advise that you surround yourself with a cloud of optimism, a child's laughter, um, good music, something. Uh, but yeah, did it. Don't recommend it. Um, as far as, you know, my unsung hero of the game was actually fairly easy to me. Brandon will probably do a double dip, I assume, with your award. But no question, Jake Moody was the unsung hero of the game simply because no one had made a play beyond their ability until Jake Moody. So we've had this consistent kicker who got us there because of the Illinois game. I mean, solely Jake Moody, right? You have a person who hit a 59 yarder, got, you know, tried to try to freeze him on the field. I had zero belief he was going to hit that because we'd seen him try a field goal. Now, granted, it was outdoors being inside of a facility. It is a little better, but it's still 59 yards and they are in college and they're kickers. I just, 
have yet to really trust a college kicker in my career. Um, just watching football doing that, but it looked like it was good from about 62. Jake Mooney is just consistent, man. I mean, we've never had a kicker like this. I don't anticipate we will ever have a kicker like this again, but getting it to from 21, three to 21, six, there is something about scoring before you get into halftime that accelerated the offense of the belief that someone made a play for us. We've got some ability. We should have been down more as weird as that sounds. It could have been a lot worse in the first half. And so Jake Moody getting it closer. Yes, it was a field goal. Yes, we got way too used to field goals last year. And I thought we hated field goals because we could never get in the end zone. This year we did. But Jake Moody is the reason we were in the game. He was the unsung hero of the game because of his ability and the stones that Jake Moody has to just get out there and do his job. I hope he has a long career in the NFL because he clearly has the leg to get in there. He's consistent. He's tough. And uh, at the end of the day, he really was the person that had to make a play. He did. And because of that, we were in the game and we had an opportunity at the very end of the game, less than a minute left, to win. So props to Jake Moody for the career that he's given to us. Um, again, just want to congratulate him on his career. But particularly in this game, he gave us his best shot at the very end. And what a, what a game uh, to get your career long uh, in front of the entire nation. So great job, Jake Moody. You are the unsung hero of the game. Yeah, I mean, he was three for three. For me, the ATW special teamers of the week, simple Jake, Jake, Jake Moody. Uh, three for three on field goals, 42 yarder in the first quarter, the uh, second quarter, 59 yarder before half, and then a 21 yarder, which you don't hear of a lot of 21 yard field goals. Um, just another reminder that we got held up, you know, in the red zone at the goal line uh, another time, you know, at the beginning of that third quarter. But, uh, three for three on field goals, two for two on extra points. He didn't kick a lot of extra points because we were going for two kind of chasing the game. Um, but Jake, the biggest boot in Michigan history, Moody, uh, it's a uh, 59 yarder was the second longest made field goal in all of college football this season. And it was the longest in the history of the CFP uh, of a made field goal. And um, I mean, just, I mean, it's uh, 59 is historic, right? Like it's a, it's a monster kick. It's a, just a monster boot. So I think for him to go out there and to, like you said, create some belief, I mean, that made going into half only down 15, that's a two score game, which is a lot better than a three score game. Right. So, yeah, I mean, just to have that kind of guaranteed type weapon um, is amazing. And the variables in college are significant with the snap, the hold, the different kinds of, you know, variations of surfaces that they play on. Um, so yeah, for him just to come in there, uh, smash that thing was amazing. So, uh, you know, Jake Moody, once again, um, he's been pretty consistent on winning this award. And so for him to win it, you know, uh, just a good emotional connection, uh, from Moody to, to all of us at ATW. And, uh, we, uh, hope to have him on the pod when he gets drafted by the green Bay Packers uh in in the in round six um so that's my that's my prediction there is mason crosby crosby probably looks to retire so um cousin kyle what was the big mistake of the week um well i mean obviously it's it's the aforementioned uh fourth down call uh so we don't need to to go into that anymore um and then just in general, like, I just, you know, I am just at a loss for what 
what review is supposed to actually accomplish. I, I just don't know anyone, in all honesty, unless you were a TCU fan or an Ohio State fan, and even a lot of Ohio State fans would look at that Roman Wilson touchdown pass and say, yeah, that's a touchdown. Uh, I just I just don't know. And the, and the speed, now I'm typically annoyed with how long review takes because in my mind, you know, you know within 30 seconds is that indisputable evidence, right? Like that, I, I just don't know if they understand the adjective indisputable because I, I don't think they do. And this one is the opposite, right? It was like a five second review. They were like, look at it. They're like, oh, uh, not a touchdown. And I just, I, I don't know what world you, you come from and think that that's the right call. I get, even though JT Barrett was short, obviously I can understand that maybe it wasn't indisputable. Okay, I can admit that even though he was short. Um, this, is, this is a play that just, this, every, every ref down to peewee leagues should be shown this play and be like, this is a touchdown and these guys screwed up. And I get that being a ref is difficult. It's, you know, I don't do it. I would want to do it. Um, there, there's, there's a lot of, uh, yeah, it, it's just a very difficult job. But with that being said, I mean, if you can't get that one right, you just, you shouldn't be refing uh, at this level. I mean, this is a college football playoff game. This is not, you know, the, the Sun Belt. This is not even like uh, Division Two, Division Three. This isn't even like, 1A high school football uh, in the state of Ohio. Like this is <laughs> this is the the biggest college football game of the entire year, and you have to be better than that. You just Here's, have to be better than that. Kyle, you bring up a great point because I was at the Big Ten championship compared to this game, and I think you know the the stark difference in the replay timing. The Big Ten championship had some reviews that were four to five minutes long, and like you yeah. said, this was five seconds. My question is, if you have a rules expert on national television that knows the rules inside and out, getting on and telling people this is what this is, why, A, isn't that person the person that reviews it? <laughs> that's not on the field, that has a yeah. better view than the ref, who is emotionally charged in the middle of the game, takes them off the field. It's unnecessary for that ref to have to deal with that. They shouldn't have to right. deal with it. They saw it on the field. They called it like they saw it as they thought, but then someone professionally who knows the rule book, who's in a neutral location, who just gets to watch the best views that the world has to offer. Why don't they just call down and say, this is the call. This is where it is. Why don't you announce it? I don't yeah. understand why that's so difficult, especially when you're on this platform. It's foolish, but like a lot of collegiate athletics, this is a foolish choice they've made. And it went both they ways, right? I mean, it was stupid. You're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, and good job on trying to find just one award for this but i agree with you yeah i think i think that was the the thing that was just so freaking shocking was just how quick it it was like wait what like even the neutrals i'm like am i being a homer here like what's going on and like you hear everybody on tv they're like yeah that's a catch also it was ruled a touchdown you could understand if it was ruled short to begin with if it, even then it, it should have it was pretty clear yeah, evidence that it was, it was a catch ruled, but like yeah. but like you could you could be like okay they called it like this on the field that's the most shocking part is they ruled it a touchdown and then they had the gall to overturn it so quickly when it was so obvious to you know anybody else with any sort of brain um 
to see that you know that was a catch. So yeah. and I and think just that's... real quick, those those reps I think were SEC reps. Yes, they're SEC reps. Okay, not to be conspiracy theorists, but to be totally conspiracy theorists. Okay, my biggest <laughs> conspiracy theory that I believe in is that ESPN because they starting next year they won't have the rights to Big Ten games anymore. They don't care about the Big Ten. They don't want to promote us. They don't want Big Ten teams to be good. So totally believe in my, uh, you know, this, this was a little little twist of a ref job uh, to, to benefit ESPN's uh, contracted leagues, both the SEC and, uh, and the Big 12. Ugh, yeah. Well, and I think the I'm other piece kidding. I w- I'm half kidding, by the way, but not. Yeah, but you're, but you're also half serious. Um, I'm, and- <laughs> <laughs> that's a half of me. That's serious. Yeah. But I think I think the piece in this too is acknowledging. I know that I, I don't think any of us are like. Well, that means we would just win the game. Like we would sure. have a different score. But the the cadence of the game and the tempo of the game would have changed. How people, you know, how everyone calls plays would change all that kind of stuff would certainly have changed. And I think that's the part that's actually really infuriating is knowing that, you know, things would have, you know, things would have changed in this game and things did change in this game as a result of, you know, those kinds of decisions and stuff. So I think that's the piece that it's like, man, what would have happened? How we would, you know, we wouldn't have been as aggressive, you know, on defense and all those kinds of things. Um, Yeah. So, oof. Yeah. Oof. Well, well, great season, season, (laughs) tough ending, but to be there, you know, I would take that all day. If you told me two years in a row, we'd be in the college football playoff. And so these boys have some experience and, you know, Blake Corum is coming back, baby. Mm -hmm. Blake Corum is coming back. So we'll have more updates. We hope that there won't be an emergency pod about a specific coach of ours that might be leaving, but uh, we'll see what we see when we see it and uh and and sometime after we see it and hear it we'll uh we'll let you know our thoughts on it wow that was incredibly diplomatic and beautiful so anyways great season we can officially conclude the 2022 atw football coverage season and now we move into, you know, yeah, we'll talk more about the roster composition, transfer, portal, draft declarations, and the, the, hopefully not the coaching carousel. So we'll talk to you when we talk to you. We'll see you next time on All Things Wolverines.